The narrative across the five books of Moses shows us God's choosing a people for Himself, His covenant promises to that people, and His expectations of their faith and obedience. God promises a land and nation for His own people who become known as Israel, and in these books His people begin their journey to attain these promises. As you are aware, these promises were originally communicated to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as well as to Abraham's and Isaac's wives, Sarah and Rebekah, respectively. The exciting news is that these will finally be realized soon, at the end of our current age. God's covenant promise as it was communicated to Abraham and Isaac, respectively, is as follows. That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Gen 22:17. And I will perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham thy father, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Gen 26-3-4. Of course, God repeated this same promise to Isaac's son, Jacob, as well. The journey of God's people in attaining His promises. Beginning with Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, the long journey for God's people and the quest for their land commenced. Hundreds of years later, at the end of Moses' tenure, and the passing of the reins to Joshua, the people of Israel were at the doorstep of the Holy Land, waiting to cross the Jordan. While they would enter the Holy Land, the receipt of the promise was not fulfilled at that time. Even prior to their entrance, God warned Moses that His people would disobey Him and serve other gods. The result would be that they would become scattered among the nations. This happened after both the northern kingdom of Israel and Judah were eventually attacked and forced into exile by their respective enemies to the north. While many tout the regathering of the current-day nation of Israel as representative of the fulfillment of God's people's realization of His promise, it is still not fulfilled. I have described before on this site how the current country of Israel, Est. 1948, looks nothing like the land and people that will exist under Jesus Christ's coming reign. Currently, its people serve other gods and are full of disobedience and rebellion. Because of this, God will bring His punishment onto the country of Israel in these last days, resulting in its destruction and desolation. This is scripture-based. So, in these end times, you might ask, where are we now in the journey of God's people to finally inherit His covenant promises, especially if the current country of Israel is highly corrupted? To rediscover the path on which God's people are traveling and sojourning, we must look to His lost sheep in Babylon.us. For signs. I have described in depth on this site how this particular remnant of God's people will ultimately return to the land of Israel from the north, with the larger remnant of the house of Israel also to be regathered from across the world. The large remnant will wander in the tribulation period and will be regathered at the end. Ancient prophetic promises in Scripture that show God will honor His original promises to Abraham and Isaac above and that were given to their heirs Jacob and Joseph, respectively, are as follows. And, behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee, until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Gen 28:15. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you, and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Gen 50:24. Meanwhile, for our purpose in Bible prophecy as it pertains to better understanding events that will take place between now and the establishment of Jesus' millennial kingdom, we should continue to track the Jacob-Judah small flock remnant who will be God's holy, royal inheritance serving under his son Jesus. In a couple of my recent passages on prophetic messages of the major prophets Ezekiel and Isaiah, I established this small flock as the prime target that is persecuted in the kingdom war. I also described how they will be delivered out of Babylon U.S. 
at a time that appears to be the beginning of the tribulation period. They will first go into somewhat of a holding pattern in the wilderness at this time. Many prophetic indicators and lessons for this initial Exodus event that I have described previously are also found through the Scripture of Moses, some of application for today's Jacob Judah small flock remnant. And you will recall that many general principles that apply to this small flock remnant will also apply to the larger House of Israel remnant believers as well in these last days. In this passage part 1, I will discuss prophetic themes, indicators and lessons from God's people's journey as described in the books of Moses that will apply directly for the last days Jacob Judah remnant, and thus, will ultimately apply for the larger remnant as well. Areas addressed in this passage include Current day status the Jacob Judah small flock remnant Ancient beginnings of God's holy remnant as a small flock Prophetic indicators of Moses' day for the small flock remnant Prophetic indicators of the deliverance from Egypt and journey into the wilderness Taken altogether, the prophetic story and journey of God's remnant people will help Jesus Christ believers overall to better understand the signs of the times and the time of the signs in these last days. Current day status the Jacob Judah remnant. The last days Jacob Judah remnant will be coming out of a land, Babylon U.S., where they have been strangers, just like their forefathers were strangers. They are the small remnant within God's larger house of Israel people that has been scattered worldwide. When they awaken, they will realize that they are still not home yet. Their displacement is a result of God's ancient prophetic promise below. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. Dude 427. Today's scattered house of Israel remnant, and certainly the small flock in Babylon U.S., have inherited and experienced the broad-based, far-reaching curse that God warned His people about several thousand years ago. The curse is due to their historic pattern of disobedience as a people. In short, this means that God's people became destined to serve their enemies in foreign lands. Over time, this has translated into their oppression, captivity and persecution. In what can be seen as an add-on verse to the one provided above, God says, And among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest, but the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart, and failing of eyes, and sorrow of mind. Do 28:65. In these last days, this situation will intensify and become worse for God's people once more overt persecution of Jesus Christ believers begins. God says further in this same line of Scripture above, Thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, thou shalt fear day and night, and shall have no assurance of thy life, Deut 28:66. This will especially be the case in the soon coming tribulation period. The last days Jacob Judah small flock remnant will be the first to have experienced this more intense persecution, and will be extremely fortunate and blessed to have their bonds broken by God and to be delivered out of it. They will have experienced the true nature and meaning of Jacob's trouble before this trouble comes upon the world. I will describe their deliverance from this in more detail later in this current passage. Ancient Beginnings of God's Holy Remnant as a Small Flock God's chosen people began with Abraham. He came through the line of Noah's son, Shem. But he came out of the early land of the Chaldees, right in the shadow of the original Babylonian world religion as it was symbolized by the Tower of Babel. He then went west with his father and wife Sarah into the land of the Canaanites. This land was occupied by those in the line of Noah's son Ham, whom Noah had cursed due to Ham's transgressions. When he arrived, God showed Abraham the land that he promised to his seed. But Abraham, even at that time, would have to make a detour down to Egypt due famine that came upon the land. He would return, only to continue to live in his day as a stranger. In fact, God's inheritance through Abraham's family line including his son Isaac and grandson Jacob, and their families, continued to live in this land that they inherited, albeit still only as strangers. 
In summary, this is to show that the ancient small flock began out of the shadow of the early Babylonians and then lived for several generations as strangers among a cursed people. This was prior to entering Egypt a land full of foreign gods that did not prove much better. God's ancient people were representative of today's small flock Jacob Judah remnant who will have to come out of her, Babylonia.s. i.e. the highly controlled, satanic matrix system, and will then continue to reside for a time in her shadows in the wilderness. The Original Jacob Family's Journey Jacob in his day, having been instructed by his parents to avoid taking a wife from Ishmael's line, journeyed to his uncle in the land of Syria to take wives and begin his family. After serving for his wives and after developing his family with children, Jacob returned with them across the Jordan, back into the land of inheritance. This is an ancient milestone of the small flock remnant family entering the promised land again, but still only to live in the midst. While still strangers, Jacob's family was protected during a time that we are told the terror of God was upon surrounding cities, Gen 35-5. This will again be the case in these last days during the time of the Jacob Judah's remnant's refuge in the wilderness. After living in the land and growing as a family, including the twelve patriarchal sons and their families, the original house of Jacob eventually migrated down to Egypt as a result of famine in the land, and in reconnecting with Jacob's lost son Joseph who had been sold to the Egyptians decades prior. In the elder Jacob's family's replanting in the land of Egypt, which was God-ordained and Pharaoh-approved, we are told in Scripture that it was seventy Jacob family members in total who took root in Egypt in that day. We are not given its size and number, but today's last days Jacob Judah small flock remnant in Babylon U.S. That I have addressed on this site will also gather in the wilderness, and we are told will, take root downward and bear fruit upward, is 3731. It appears that this family will begin to grow even prior to the millennial kingdom. This will also take place during a time of famine, and other tribulation period troubles, that comes on to the land of Babylon U.S. Just as it had been famine that caused Abraham and Sarah, as well Jacob's family, to go down to Egypt. In fact, we are told that the famine in Joseph's day was worldwide, Gen 41:56, similar to the coming tribulation period, and that people came to Joseph, a prophetic type of Jesus, from all over the world, Gen 41:57. Joseph's own story is another prophetic indicator of the Lord being among his last days Jacob Judah remnant. One interesting footnote about this early remnant was Jacob's blessing of Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, who were chosen to continue in the family's line of inheritance. Ephraim was blessed as the inheritance that would become greater, with offspring that would become a multitude of nations, Gen 48:19. Consider here that Ephraim, who was younger but would be first, was a symbol of what I have discussed previously as the end times Ephraim people or house of Israel in the northern kingdom, in Babylon U.S. And as a grandson of Jacob, he was the next generation part of the house of Israel remnant that took root in Egypt in Joseph's day. Thus, in some ways Ephraim can be thought of as representing the latter, larger remnant of God's people, who in large part will wander in the time of the tribulation period after fleeing Babylon U.S. Meanwhile, Ephraim, as an individual's, is represented as at least a part of the Jacob Judah small flock remnant. From this original, ancient house of Jacob small flock remnant, God's people of inheritance would grow in number. Confirmation that this remnant grew and multiplied in ancient days is summarized as follows. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons, and now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. Dude 10:22. This same promise will be fulfilled through the last days Jacob Judah holy remnant who are descendants of the ancient remnant above, and who represent the current day lineage inheritance for the beginning of the kingdom that Jesus will come back to firmly establish and preside over. These new beginnings of his inheritance represent the time when God says in Scripture more than once, I am doing a new thing. 
just as the ancient Jacob remnant continued to live in Egypt, but separate, so will the last days Jacob Judah remnant continue to live separately in the wilderness of Babylon U.S. For a time when they come to realize that they have indeed been strangers in the land. Prophetic Indicators of Moses' Day for the Small Flock Remnant The house of Jacob slash Israel definitely grew and flourished in Egypt, it multiplied, just as God says will be the case for the end times Jacob Judah remnant and their seed. Over time, they became a great nation, one that would be feared by others once God came onto their side. Although a great nation, they were still relatively small in number and were oppressed. Their competitive advantage in the midst of many enemies was that God Himself chose them and would assist them if they obeyed and if they would call out to Him. God told them. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession, out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. Dut 7-6-7. The last days Jacob Judah small flock remnant will be the holy, royal part of the entire house of Israel who first assume the title of a peculiar people and a people, God has taken, unto Himself. They will be delivered first and separated from among Babylon's world system and kingdom. I mentioned in recent passages covering Ezekiel's and Isaiah's personal and prophetic lives that this last day's remnant will likely have God's chosen people as leaders among them. The initial small, holy remnant in the wilderness in Moses' day and their leaders were those who were among the first call in the assembly of the congregation. Not surprisingly, this included Moses himself, his brother Aaron the priest, and the tribes on the east side of the tabernacle including the tribe of Judah. There is much more that can be said about Moses and Aaron, but they were obvious God-ordained leaders of the people who were in position to directly represent God before them. They were given God's spiritual anointing. They were at least somewhat representative of priest and prophet figures who I have described previously will likely be among the last days Jacob Judah remnant in the wilderness. Prophetic verses in the book of Deuteronomy about a future priest, prophet, and king, respectively, that realize near-term fulfillment, but will apply again among God's people in the last days and going into the millennial kingdom, include. For the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons for all time. Dude 18-5. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, it is to him you shall listen, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Dude 18 15, 18. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose, one from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee, thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. Dute 17 15. These last days first call remnant members will likely be among the Jacob Judah remnant. Of course, most important by far, is that the Spirit of the Lord will be among them, and then ultimately Jesus. This is somewhat foreshadowed by Joseph's saving presence among his remnant Jacob family described earlier. Otherwise, as you are aware, we see numerous examples in Moses' day in the wilderness pertaining to the direct presence of the Lord Himself. I will address this again in part 2. Meanwhile, I also previously described that among the leaders of the last days Jacob Judah remnant the likelihood of supernatural encounters, such as those heavenly experiences that prophets Ezekiel and Isaiah reported as part of their prophetic personas as end-time small remnant leaders. I pose the possibility that it could be end times Jacob who is among the last days remnant serving in this capacity. Spiritual birthings and holiness. Recall that end times Jacob is spiritually birthed, along with others of God's children whom Jacob essentially becomes a spiritual father figure to. Recall God prophetically says Israel is my firstborn through Moses to Pharaoh and requesting that Pharaoh let his people go, 
but there is also a prophetic association here to last days Jacob who we know has his bonds broken by God. Once firstborn Jacob and other children of God are spiritually birthed in the last days, then all possibilities for their communication with God are open, similar to those which Moses and Aaron experienced and witnessed, and to some extent, members of the entire congregation as well. In relation to birthings in Moses' own day, we see examples given. To begin, Moses himself, whose name means drawn out, was literally found as a baby and taken out of the river. He was found and chosen according to God's divine plan, albeit by the house of Pharaoh. So he was birthed and raised in Egypt, although he returned to his own people. Just as Moses was saved as a type of firstborn himself, we know God later saved all of the firstborn Hebrew children at Passover. God said, all the firstborn are mine, a principle that has implications for our current end times as well, some of which I have already addressed on this site. In a spiritual birthing sense, it was Aaron, his sons and the Levites who received God's eternal covenant priestly promise, and who assumed the inheritance of his first fruits and firstborn. We see this as follows. Every firstborn male in Israel, whether human or animal, is mine. When I struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, I set them apart for myself. And I have taken the Levites in place of all the firstborn sons in Israel. New Mate 17-18. As for the entire congregation of Israel, God's firstborn, Moses made the reference to their birthing as a people. In speaking to God, he inquired, Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms, as a nurse carries an infant, to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Num 11:12. We are told in prophetic scripture that it will be end times Jacob who raises up the tribes of Israel and brings them forth in the days leading up to the heavenly kingdom. Prophetic indicators of the deliverance from Egypt and journey into the wilderness for the small flock remnant. In their latter days of captivity in Egypt under Pharaoh, Moses' people endured increasingly severe mistreatment. Pharaoh made their yoke heavy. Only by God himself bringing plagues on Pharaoh and his land were Moses and his people released. As I mentioned above, God desired that his firstborn Israel be released from Egyptian captivity so that they could serve him. A similar scenario will play out in these last days, just as God himself warned in ancient scripture. As I addressed in the current day status section of this passage above, the Jacob-Judah remnant will be coming out of intense mob-style persecution as the Antichrist Chaldeans held them in captivity in Babylon U.S. Is it not already a tumultuous time, overall, in Babylon U.S.? In these current last days? God will not tolerate His people being held captive once He is ready to call them. At the time that a corrupt, phony peace agreement, related to Babylon's world Chaldeans dispute with the persecuted Jacob-Judah remnant, is executed between many key nations including Israel and Babylon U.S., destruction will begin at this time. We are told in Scripture that this phony peace agreement will anger God. This will bring about events of the tribulation period that will be similar in form and impact, relatively speaking, to the plagues that God brought upon Egypt. Redemption and Journey into the Wilderness The last days Jacob-Judah remnant will go into the wilderness at this time. This will be the point at which end times Jacob is spiritually birthed as God's firstborn inheritance, it is for Jacob and his remnant to whom the following scripture will first apply in the last days just as it did for Moses' people. But the Lord hath taken you, and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance, as ye are this day. Dude 4:20. In Moses' day, due to God's deliverance of his people, they are referred to in Scripture as a people thou, God, hast purchased, X 15:16. Similarly, in our last days, I have explained in previous passages that end times Jacob will have made atonement for his remnant people, the people of his inheritance. Overall, it is God, who, as in the days of his people in Egypt, 
will bring end times Jacob and his people out and redeem them with a strong hand. Of course, Jesus' work and victory on the cross 2,000 years ago will be the primary source of this remnant's spiritual redemption. Meanwhile, God's people in Moses' day acknowledged their deliverance as follows. And He brought us out from thence, that He might bring us in, to give us the land which He swore unto our fathers. Dude 6 23. At the time God's people began their exodus from Egypt, we are told that they left in boldness, and while in sight of all of the Egyptians, Num 33-3. But they left having gained favor with the Egyptian people, who gave them possessions to take along. I will address this prophetic principle more in part 2. Here, at the beginning of their journey, God parted the Red Sea, literally, for His people to cross over safely ahead of Pharaoh and his pursuing army. In thinking about possible prophetic meaning that is parallel for God's small flock remnant coming out of Babylon U.S., we might consider God's remnant flocks obtaining favor with the people in these last days. The term see can sometimes symbolically refer to the masses of the people. In the case of the deliverance of God's righteous Jacob Judah remnant, it could be that they will have gained favor or at least some grace among the people in the face of their persecution and the banner that they have raised for their righteous cause. Recall Jacob himself as being a light for the Gentiles. He and his remnant will earn some level of grace among both the Antichrist Chaldeans as well as those who stand opposite to them in the Kingdom War. As a result, due to the Jacob small flock remnant's case that will bring knowledge and understanding to the world through their pursuit of justice and righteousness, the two sides of the people, the sea, will part for them so that they can escape the kingdom battle that will manifest in worldwide war in the tribulation period. This represents a very narrow, select path, that they will travel on. They will be the only ones removed from the global theater of kingdom war. Of course, it is God who will ultimately be responsible for the Jacob Judah remnant's deliverance. 7 Days Significance When considering God's people's exodus from Egypt and how certain indicators may apply to today's small remnant's deliverance out of Babylon U.S., a couple of these appear to be particularly applicable. First, Passover is followed by the Feast of Unleavened Bread a period of seven days. I will address the cleansing and sanctification process that the people of Israel go through in a little more detail in Part 2. Meanwhile, the number seven here is important to keep in mind as the Israelites departed Egypt soon after Passover. Seven years is equivalent to the length of the tribulation. The last days Jacob viewed as remnant's initial deliverance is at the beginning of the tribulation period. This is not to say that events necessarily begin on Passover slash Feast of Unleavened Bread, but rather, that there is symbolism to generally indicate a period of seven years after the small remnant's deliverance, and that the small remnant would be wise to heed the prophetic principle of this feast as it relates to the worship of Jesus and how he has fulfilled the meaning associated with this event and will do so again to put a final seal on his title of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. At the end of the seven-year tribulation period, it will be time to enter the Holy Land for the beginning of the Millennial Kingdom under Jesus Christ's reign. This will be the time the house of Israelites' journey described herein is finally finished and they will be home. Thus, ancient words of Moses will apply to the very last days and the beginning of the kingdom. This was foreshadowed the first time before entering the inherited land at the end of Moses' own personal journey, with Moses explaining to the people at this time. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of Tabernacles. Do 31:10. After seven years, this will be the symbolic time of release when the last day's small remnant is joined by the remainder of the house of Israel remnant and the Gentiles for the kingdom. Those familiar with the principles of God's jubilee period might also consider that for this time period. Meanwhile, again, this is not to say that this gathering happens at exactly at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, although this time period going into the Millennial Kingdom will certainly be significant. 
Also, there could obviously not be an approximate seven-year segment, 1260 plus 1335 days, between Passover, discussed above, and Tabernacles. 3 days significance. When requesting his people's release from Pharaoh, God told him several times to do this so they could journey into the desert for three days to worship and sacrifice to him. Given that a release for this three-day journey is requested several times in Scripture, we might consider its possible prophetic meaning. As it applies to the journey of the last days Jacob Judah remnant, we might begin by looking at this three-day period in terms of three years. I have recently written about the significance of this time frame, i.e. the first three years or roughly first half of the tribulation period, as it applies to the journey of the small flock remnant and as it appears to be described by the prophets Isaiah and Ezekiel, particularly with this remnant in the wilderness. Through Isaiah, we saw that this is a time of spiritual birthing of children whose names, meaning, and other signs at this time indicate that this is a time when Babylon U.S. is invaded, its leaders are captured, and it is plundered. Isaiah's last days persona is also walking barefoot and naked during this time, thus, a sign of his captivity. As another prophetic three-year period, implying the prophetic captivity of God's people, we saw how Joseph, a picture of the Lord, put several of his brothers in captivity for three days until a few of them returned with his brother Benjamin. So, certain sons of Jacob in the last day's tribulation time period that is also marked by worldwide famine could still be in some form of bondage. In Ezekiel, this same time frame is that which is persona as the end-time son of man in Babylon U.S. is laying on his side, in bands, unable to talk, and eating defiled food. Although his own captivity is in Babylon U.S., end times land of the Chaldeans, his signs are also for the country of Israel, which will be in its own severe turmoil and will come under siege during this time. Through Ezekiel, we also saw this time period as one of famine. In terms of comparing the journey of Moses and his people going three, literal, days into the wilderness at this point, after three days, their own slight famine and lack of water had already set in. They made an ordinance with God at this time. God gave them a tree to sweeten the waters of the land they were in, and then brought them to a place with twelve wells. This may be seen as His Spirit among them that eventually provided the people in Moses' day with manna, quail, etc. This is the Spirit of Jesus, who told the woman at the well. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. JN 4 13-14. This event in Moses' day, while seemingly minor in the scheme of things, could have significant meaning for the Jacob-Judah remnant after their first three years in the wilderness in the tribulation period. Given the world situation and their own still semi-captive state in the wilderness in Babylon U.S. Even though after deliverance they may not be able to safely completely exodus, their situation could become lean and some members' faith could wane. We saw this pattern in Moses' day. Their faith in Jesus Christ will be extremely important. Jesus as we know, who is manna from heaven, will be their bread of life at this time, so that those who believe will never be hungry. 3 Days and the Assyrian Pharaoh In addition, in Moses' day, we have the picture of Pharaoh and his army coming back after the people he had just released three days after they left. He and his army were then covered with the sea by God's Almighty Hand. This event again could symbolically represent the popular opinion of the people, i.e. the sea, in these last days and their lack of support for the end-times Assyrian Pharaoh. We know that the Gentiles of the world will become enlightened as to the mystery of iniquity and the manner of Egypt that the Assyrian Pharaoh will be associated with. Thus, he will not be supported even though he will be right at the small flock remnant's doorstep in Babylon U.S. wilderness, where he and his armies will invade and plunder in these last days. The end times Pharaoh will become spooked and afraid of an evil spirit that God mingles, 
similar to the confusion or trouble that set in against Pharaoh and his army at the Red Sea. I have surmised before that the end times Assyrian Pharaoh will not shoot an arrow toward God's Jacob Judah remnant people. About his end times demise, we are told. Then shall the Assyrian fall with the sword, not of a mighty man, and the sword, not of a mean man, shall devour him, but he shall flee from the sword, and his young men shall be discomfited. Is 31-8. I will discuss in more detail in part 2 how the Lord protects His people as this is shown in the books of Moses. At the three-year point and beyond. Given this time period of three years, roughly equivalent to the first half of the tribulation period, till the three and a half years, we know that there is a monumental event at the end, midpoint of the seven years, which is the birth of the man-child Jesus, also referred to in Isaiah, ch. 9, as the birth of the Wonderful Counselor. Perhaps in parallel, in Moses' day, and in his people's continuing journey, the number three was used when God's people were told to prepare as follows. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people, and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day, for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. X 19:10. Moses told his people to be ready on the third day to see the Lord. So, it could be that on the third day, or year, of the tribulation period that God's small flock remnant could witness a similar, supernatural event along with associated signs and wonders. At the very least, the third year into the tribulation should be considered a high watch day for the Lord Himself. While the Lord will be caught up at mid-tribulation, a sign of hiding His face for a time, the house of Israel will continue their journey for the remainder of the seven-year period. At first, Scripture says they will have to flee the dragon. This is the same general time that the Antichrist will commit the abomination of desolation. The increased persecution to come onto the house of Israel at this time will be worldwide. As for the Jacob-Judah small flock remnant, their path in the wilderness is unclear after their travails and birthings in the first half, and after they avoid the mid-tribulation satanic fury. God will remain among them, in some form, so anything will be possible, including any possible supernatural events. Here, we are given one last period of three applying to Moses' people's journey. After departing Mount Sinai, as numbered armies, they are told to travel three days with the ark and to search out resting places. There is a hint in Scripture and then a subsequent fulfillment of increased conflict with surrounding enemies once God's people take off from Sinai and as they travel near or through neighboring lands. This post-Sinai conflict could be considered as a parallel to the increased conflict in the last half of the tribulation period, i.e. Great Tribulation, that I referred to above, a time when the Antichrist is on full display. In a multitude of ways, God will fight for His people in the last days just as He did in the Canaanite wilderness as they remained protected and as they came closer to the doorstep of the land of milk and honey. Tilda. In part 2, among other prophetic principles, I will discuss God's protection of His people in more detail, since the Lord is among them, fighting for them, etc. Grace and Peace. Lion's Lair, LL.